deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi there, you're listening to More Than Potential, a podcast. On this show, we're talking about mental health, well-being, and self-improvement. And on this particular episode, I wanted to kind of flesh out some of the commentary that I had about femininity and hypergamy because I just had a great conversation with my friend, Kiera, and y'all loved that. But I feel like there were some things still that I wanted to highlight before I let this topic go for the next month or two. So first of all, I want to be clear about what I actually think femininity is and how it can be useful as a woman or as a person in general. Like you don't have to be a female identifying person or you don't have to be assigned female at birth to really like use femininity in a way. Because first of all, I truly believe that if we're going to talk about energy, and this is very kooky, right? But I'm just being honest about my opinion about this stuff. When it comes to like femininity and stuff, having feminine energy is what is important. Not femininity, but feminine energy. Because everybody has feminine and masculine energy inside of them, right? Okay, why is that? Because they represent two parts of yourself, the right and the left brain, that are basically working to create a very whole, um, fleshed out individual. So for example, you can't be somebody that's healthy and be like super focused on facts, logic, and reason all the time and never acknowledge your emotions and never lean on intuition to make judgments about your life and what you need to do. You need to be in tune with yourself, right? So a healthy person will have both feminine and masculine energy. Right. And so to me, when I talk about feminine energy, that is what we should actually care about, because that's what's important. Feminine energy is just the ability to rely on intuition and intuitive knowing. It's not like facts and reason and logic. Feminine energy is about spirituality and um, a, a more like centered understanding of yourself and that's just kind of the best way I can understand it or best way I can to use to describe it. Feminine energy is yielding. It's allowing things to come into your life and not forcing things to happen. And that's so important because when we talk about the way life ebbs and flows, I, I, I think like the way that feminine energy could be described is more of a, a more natural symbolism like water and earth because literally you have no control of these things it just kind of happens and so you allow things to come and go into your life because you don't want to control it you want things to that are naturally supposed to happen to unfold organically um and another good way to phrase this too is like feminine energy is also about understanding your emotions and the fluctuations in our emotions and what they mean for us so for example um As a woman, I know that my natural mood fluctuates during the day. And so being in touch with my emotions allows me to assess like, you know, how I'm feeling. I ask myself questions internally about why I'm feeling this way, what word I would use to describe this feeling, or where or when this started, and what can I do to feel better right now? Like these are all things I ask myself to understand my emotions 
at that time in the moment versus, you know, waiting to explode or blow up because I've suppressed my emotions. And I think, too, one of the most interesting things about feminine energy is someone who truly embraces the feminine understands that the best way to approach your emotions is to allow them to come in and out of you. So you don't want to hold on to feelings that you have about something that happened during the day, because then you're going to be angry and raging about it all day. Allow that feeling to come in, accept what's happening, accept how you feel, and then breathe it back out. You know, give yourself a moment to feel it and then let it go. So that being said, that kind of flushes out feminine energy a little bit more because I truly feel like feminine energy is part of life. It is only natural to understand your emotions, to embrace that part of you, to embrace the spirituality of the human existence. Like, I think that's normal, right? So like, to me, when we talk about this stuff, we have to understand like, this is just natural to human beings. I think like, in our culture, we prioritize like being super like facts, logic, and reason. It doesn't exist if you can't prove it. Um, it's like more of like, I guess, a masculine way of thinking, right? And instead of allowing things to be, we try to force things to do what we want it to do. We try to be controlling even of events and things that happen in our lives and the people that come and go in our lives. And so I think that society in general embraces more of the masculine because it's about it's results oriented and it gets things done when the feminine is not necessarily as results oriented you feel me so anyway like I can go more into this but that's just like the bare minimum like bare bones what I think and so a healthy person's gonna have both the problem is one of two things when we focus more on femininity not femininity, we focus more on feminine energy than masculine energy. Or two, we focus on the expression of that more than anything else. And femininity and masculinity is just the expression of that energy. And so what ends up happening is it's become like perverted because like I said, people have feminine and masculine energy all the time, simultaneously, right? We're human beings, we're multifaceted. The problem is when people self-identify as feminine and they embrace gender expression of femininity and then they downplay the masculine energy in their lives or vice versa maybe you're a man you're a cis heterosexual man and you identify with being masculine so you downplay the feminine energy in your life and you embrace masculinity to do so as your gender expression and to me that becomes an issue because what ends up happening is you have to downplay one part of yourself that's just as necessary as the other part. And so when we talk about the expression of this energy, understand that like there's nothing wrong with it. But I feel like the ways in which we are told to practice this gender expression can be almost white supremacist sometimes and it can actually be harmful. Does that make sense? So when I talk about femininity, femininity is the expression of feminine energy. A lot of women have feminine and masculine energy, but maybe some of them are more comfortable expressing masculinity. Why? Because maybe they just, in terms of their expression, they resonate more with that. But because of their gender identity, because like they identify as women, let's say they're cisgender women, what ends up happening is we force them and we pressure them to look and act a certain way in accordance with femininity. Because if they operate outside of that, then they're not quote unquote real women. And for Black women specifically, Black women have always had a problem with this because we have been masculinized by society just for existing. 
before we even like but could could become feminine women we had to become human first we were seen as cattle we were seen as beasts and a lot of this goes back to when um african-american women were taken from the african continent probably west africa and brought via the um the atlantic ocean you know the atlantic straight atlantic slave trade right they're brought to america and what happens is at the time in the in, in the colonies or even before the colonies technically but basically when when african american african women were brought over the gender norms at the time where men were strong and men were um, basically the only ones that could reason and read and write. And women were basically like pets. Like they, they weren't really treated like human beings. Women were just seen as assets. They were seen as things to add on to what you had. And so women were treated like docile, sub- submissive, servile creatures, basically, that could not think for themselves, basically like children. You know, women really weren't allowed to do hard things because women did not people did not think women could do them people did not think it was natural for women to read and write and do anything of any real significance anything using their intellectual capacity like that was seen as something for men to do and so when african women were brought over they found out that african women were just as capable physically of the hard labor of being a slave that the men were and so what did that mean that basically meant and you can see this in the in the writings of the plantation owners at the time they were like, oh, wow, these African people, the, the females are able to do the work just like the men are. And because that defied their expectations of women at the time, because we were, I guess, more evolved, our African cultures were more evolved, let's be honest, they did not understand that. So they said, well, African females must be something other than human because human women don't do this kind of stuff. They're not capable of this kind of stuff. And so... Women, African-American women ever since have been fighting to see, be seen as like human beings, right? We're, we're fighting to be seen as, as human beings. Before we could even be seen as women and feminine women, we have to be seen as human beings. And so to this day, we're still struggling with this. To this day. Now, I can go into more detail about all the different things that were done to dehumanize Black women. But the point is, we have been struggling with this dehumanization for a very long time. Black women were always posed as the antithesis to white women. White women were seen as beautiful and desirable and feminine and innocent and pure. And Black women were seen as deviant and like Jezebels and evil and hypersexual, basically animalistic, right? So really, when we're talking about what the real reasons for all of this stuff is, like this obsession with femininity content, a lot of it is rooted in the fact that Black women are really trying to be seen as like women when we technically are still struggling with being dehumanized. So before I continue with that, I'm going to explain a little bit just a little bit about how I believe that this femininity content is being expressed, what they're trying to say, but I don't understand in my life how that's supposed to make sense. And I'll explain. So, okay, so when I think about this femininity content, right, now that you have a basis for why I feel the way that I do, understand that like, this femininity content on like YouTube and TikTok or whatever else, a lot of these women are teaching you how to act and talk 
and dress in a way that appeals to men. So what does that mean? That means that if you're a feminine woman, right? Because they're trying to say that even though they're really talking about femininity, which is gender expression, they're trying to tell you what they're trying to basically say what quote unquote real feminine women do, which is a misnomer because you have feminine energy, even if you're a quote unquote woman that uh, is considered more masculine or has more masculine presentation. You feel me? Like if a woman identifies with more masculinity because that's how she chooses to express her gender identity, that does not mean that she lacks feminine energy. That's not necessarily the case, but whatever. That is completely lost in this conversation. So what these women are trying to tell you is if you want to be considered a feminine, quote unquote, feminine woman, you need to, you know, look a certain way. So you need to wear makeup and you need to lose weight and your hair needs to look a certain way. And for black women, that means that your hair, I've seen whole debates about this, like what type of, um, like what type of hair that men prefer in feminine black women. And there was a whole debate about whether men preferred straight hair or natural hair more for feminine black women, like what was being seen as more feminine. And that was crazy. Cause I was like, y'all, Y'all are really trying to say that your natural state, like your naturally kinky hair or kinky curly hair is not feminine enough for men that you have to straighten it. Like that's baffling. That's a, that's a huge statement to make, but they don't, they don't get that because they're not very bright. They don't understand, you know, why that's just a crazy thing to even say, but like, basically you need to change up your behavior as well. It's not just about looks and appearance. Because you can wear lipstick and you can wear makeup and dresses all the time and you can lose weight, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're feminine enough. To be feminine enough in your gender expression, you have to basically adopt a different type of persona. You have to be warm and nurturing and never start arguments with men. You have to quote unquote, let a man be a man and never try to do hard things. You have to let the man basically do everything physical or physically challenging for you, um, you know, to be a feminine woman, you basically need to agree to disagree all the time and you don't want to provoke a man. Like there's very specific rules of conduct, including not cursing because cursing and expressing yourself with foul language is seen as masculine as well. And of course, masculinity is associated with men, unfortunately, So what ends up happening is there's like a whole rule book for all the things that women have to do to be considered feminine women. And for black women specifically, you know, the list starts to get a little absurd because they're just trying to, at some point, combat the negative attributes, not negative attributes, like basically the perceived negative attributes of black women. Like I mentioned before, because black women have been dehumanized so much, a lot of like the the character traits that are associated with Black women are typically very negative. Like these are stereotypes about what all Black women are supposed to be. And so these women are basically trying to combat those stereotypes by being the quote unquote distinction. They want to be different than those other Black women, those loud masculine Black women who are overweight and who have bad style and don't know how to care for their natural hair. No, they don't want to be like them. They don't want to be like those loud mouth feminists arguing with men on social media because that's masculine. They don't want to be like those women. And so what happens is you basically have a group of women who create these arbitrary rules for how black women can overcome white supremacy by simply acting and behaving differently. 
I mean, who cares if people are misogynoiristic when you can just act differently to get a different result? And in case you don't know what misogynoir is, it's a term that was coined to describe racism and sexism that affects Black women specifically. So it's like intersectional. It's an intersectional term to describe how Black women's experiences are shaped by racism and sexism combined, specifically for Black women. So to me, it's very interesting because what these women are basically asserting is that your treatment as a Black woman can be dictated based on how you perform femininity. If you perform femininity well enough, well enough, people will treat you better. They'll give you things. They'll be nicer to you. They'll show you more respect. You may even be seen as desirable as a white woman. Like, that's literally what they're promising you. What they're promising you is that, hey, listen, don't listen to those feminists who are telling you about oppression and white supremacy because they're bald-headed feminists who don't know no better and they just want to keep black women down they don't want us to be they don't want us to be successful they don't want us to do whatever they don't want us to compete with other women of other races they want us to be broken ugly and sad and um seen as undesirable so we need to ignore feminist literature on the subject so we can be um considered feminine women we can perform our way out of this guys everyone can do it it doesn't matter who you are, what kind of woman that you are. You can abide by this long ass list of rules and still be considered a feminine woman. Ha ha. Now, obviously, I'm I'm a little bit hyperbolic, but I'm actually really not really being hyperbolic. A lot of their arguments come down to simply respectability. Like literally, as long as you act like a good little black woman, nobody's going to be able to be mean to you. It's all going to be fine. Men are going to love you and everything's going to be great. And to that, I say, that has not been my experience. Like, first of all, for, before I even talk about my experience, I want to acknowledge the fact that like, I, how do I say this? It is difficult for me to understand why black women are so obsessed with femininity content because it inadvertently says that black women are actually masculine. Like your obsession with proving yourself to be a feminine woman to the point where like, you're going to these extremes kind of shows that there must be something inherently wrong with black women. Like maybe black women are deficient in some way if they have to go online to find their womanhood, if they have to listen to random people and random avatars that, to tell them how to be women, how to be quote unquote real women and how to be quote unquote feminine. Like maybe there is something deficient with black women enough for them to be obsessed with this content because they need to prove to everyone that they're not as bad as they seem and that, you know, the stereotypes about us aren't true. That speaks to a sincere amount of insecurity that goes far beyond something that is casual and that is something that you would, you would need to see a therapist about. Like if you're so dedicated to this that you're willing to change your entire behavior and personality and you're willing to scour the internet to find some things about being a woman that your mom could have told you, that just shows that perhaps you yourself feel like Black women are inherently masculine to even need someone online to tell you this in the first place. Like I said, when you focus so much on the gender expression, you ignore that feminine energy is in all of us. It's in all of us. Femi Notice when I talked about feminine energy, I didn't mention your presentation. Your presentation is how you perform. Your gender expression is how you perform. Your feminine energy is something that you already have. 
If you want to be connected to your feminine energy, to spirituality, to intuition, that's called doing root work. That's called doing shadow work. That's called going to therapy. That has nothing to do with your dresses and makeup and hair. But black women want to be seen as feminine women so bad. They want to be, they want to basically people to stop dehumanizing them so bad. So they miss the point intentionally, entirely. They intentionally miss the point. Why? Because they can't let themselves believe that white supremacy is so pervasive and so evil that they will continue to be dehumanized even in their social lives. They don't want to believe that. They, they genuinely want to believe that so long as they act like a good little black woman and they're abiding by these rules that everything will be okay. But what they're missing is that they're making a damning statement about all black women that have ever existed and the black women that exist today. When I look at pictures of black women in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and so on, I don't see masculine women. I see women with long hair, makeup and beautiful nails and skirts and dresses. Most of them were fairly thin, honestly. Seriously, like when I look at pictures of my grandma's graduating class and I look at, you know, just all the different pictures I have of black women who existed before me and are no longer living. These women were not ugly. They were beautiful. They were beautiful. They, they typically had long hair that they used a hot comb on to straighten them hairs. You know, they had to, they had to have hair straightened and bumped on the end. You know what I'm saying? Depending on the time period. Um, they had like really pretty clothes. They have makeup. Like black women always were feminine. So what do you mean? We need femininity content to get reconnected to our performance. Black women have constantly been performing, even today. Black women are constantly performing by being some of the biggest consumers of hair and makeup. It's a billion dollar industry. Like, what do you think black women have been doing the whole time, if not performing? People are shitty to us, not because of our performance, but because they're misogynoirstic. People don't want to date black women, not because black women are not desirable, but because black women have always been considered lower in value. And that has nothing to do with our humanity and everything to do with the other peoples. Because you can't be a good person, a decent human being while dehumanizing a whole group of women. You're the monster in that equation. And so black women, instead of just saying what I just said, instead of just saying that a lot of their insecurities about are really about being seen as real women, they would prefer to come up with a random ass list of rules to compete with white women. But like, what? how could you ever compete with white women on their own turf? A lot of this stuff is rooted in white supremacy. And a lot of them don't want to believe that because it's ahistorical. It's ahistorical. There have always been gender norms. But to assume that black women never adhered to gender norms their best that they could to assume that black women, you know, weren't bullied and raped regardless of if they appeal to these gender, gender roles or not is ahistorical. Those gender norms were intended to exclude black people. That's what makes them white supremacists. And despite that, black women were still persisting. They were still performing. So you would have to overlook the overwhelming amount of evidence suggesting that black women have always have always participated in this performance. You would have to overlook all the historical evidence to suggest that in order to come up with the claim that black women today are something different and we need to return back to something. Return back to what? Return back to what? <laughs> but anyway, like I said, I didn't want to emphasize this before I continue on about my own experience. 
Because like, I want y'all to understand what you're implicitly saying about black women, about our masculinity, supposedly, what you're really saying about us and our worthiness as women. Like the shit that we go through is not because we're not good enough at being women. That's not like, that's not the reason, guys. It's not the reason. It's called white supremacy. It's called misogynoir. Like I'm gonna need y'all to think for once, for once, just think outside of, you know, that reptilian part of your brain that's rooted in fear. Stop letting that control you and think for one second about why y'all are even in this mess in the first place. And it has nothing to do with you not being feminine enough. Okay, let me just validate you for one second. You are good enough. But I'm gonna talk about that in a bit later. I'm gonna talk about that in a bit later. I'm gonna come back to it, don't worry. But let me tell you about my experience really quickly because a lot of women um, think that I'm just talking up my ass about this. But a lot of y'all... When we talk about hypergamy and being a feminine woman, y'all aspire to be what my family has already been. So when I talk about women in in previous generations who have already done what the hell y'all are talking about and it still didn't work for them, I know what I'm talking about. So for example, my mom is a traditionally feminine woman, spends a ton of money on clothes and hair and makeup, right? She is the type of woman who was considered to be docile and submissive. When she, you know, when y'all talk about getting with a high value man who makes six figures and stuff like that, my mom was way ahead of the curve, okay? She already was a good church going woman who was docile and submissive, had her own shit, had her own real estate. And so when she got with my father, who was a six figure earner, um, she thought she had a mate. While a lot of y'all are trying to get what my mom already had, guess who was already a stay at home mom? My mother. My mother was a stay at home mother for a huge chunk of my childhood. While y'all aspiring to do this shit, my mom already did it. I didn't know anybody else in my childhood who had a stay-at-home mother that was black. But my mom was such a person. We lived in a plantation-style home in a suburban neighborhood with a bunch of white people. And we lived next to the only, like, Latino family in the whole neighborhood. It was very, very white. Very, very suburban. And my parents did that shit on purpose. They wanted to be in suburbia. They wanted to leave their country ass town where they didn't have shit. And they came from bad family backgrounds to build something that approximated respectability. The best thing they could do is find a county that had a good school that was predominantly white. And they went to a neighborhood that was predominantly white. And they went and got a plantation style home that was huge as far as I can remember, because I had like multiple closets and a whole like playroom upstairs. So like I had a bunch of stuff. I had my own computer back when we had the box computers. We had like two or three computers in our house. Like most people didn't have that. We had like several box computers in our home. And so I had my own computer so I could type and I could write and what have you. I had more than some other people. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I had more than some other people. Most of the black kids I knew did not have what I had. And so, you know, since my mom was a stay-at-home mother, a lot of people assumed my family was rich, right? Like, it's just the truth. Like, when you compare it to the average black person in the early 90s and, like, in the 2000s, a lot of black people didn't have that. So I would say that we weren't rich, but we were comfortable. We were a comfortable black family. Um, And I think that... It still didn't help my mom because what ended up happening was she was so submissive and she was so like docile to appease my dad. You know, she would cook and clean everything else. I got um, handmade lunches and stuff like that. My mom was the OG stay home mom, right? Constantly looking good, looking put together, taking care of the house, what have you. We had a big ass house. But the problem was that because she was playing second fiddle to a man, 
She didn't consider that that man didn't know how to run finances as well as she did. She knew how to run finances and she knew how to do that better than him, but he made all the money at his good ass job. So all he did was pay all the bills and gave her some spending money. That's it. He just gave her spending money to do whatever she wanted to do with it. And so like, really, when I think about it, what ended up happening was my dad was terrible with finances, making terrible financial investments. And my mom is much better at managing finances because my mom um, used to, well, she still does. She's like the chair or the department head of the finance department at her church. So she did all the finances and all the, the, you know, accounting at her church. So she was actually good at finances, honestly. She was good at crunching the numbers and math and whatever. But my dad was the one who did all that, paid all the bills and everything else because he was the man and he brought home the bacon. That proved to be a massive mistake. During 2007, during like the Great Recession, my family lost everything because of bad investments and just a bunch of other shit going on. And I'm not going to get into all that here. So why am I saying this? Because basically, because of that whole situation, my mom had to go back to work. So by the time I was 10 or 11 years old, my mom went back to work as a teacher since she was a teacher before she met my pop, my father. And that was pretty much the end of her time as a stay-at-home mother. But for my early childhood, she was absolutely a stay-at-home mom. That's why I learned a lot. I think her being a stay-at-home mom actually put me ahead of the curve educationally. I really do think it did. I think it, it had a huge benefit in my education to, for her to sit and have all this time to dedicate to making sure my educa education was great. You know, she was very involved. And I think that like, <clears throat> I'm saying all this to say, y'all trying to be what my mom already was, period. My mom was already that person, but I see how it did not work for her for a variety of reasons. For one, we had a blackity black ass family in a capitalist ass country. And so when there's these shifts in the economy. A lot of times it's black people falling off the cliff and they end up falling out of the middle class. And that's basically what happened. We were barely a middle class family by the end of the recession. And so when I say this, it's a warning because a lot of y'all are so pressed about hypergamy and femininity that you forget that black women been on this shit. They've been on this shit. And some of us can tell you why maybe making this your entire personality is not the best idea. That's just my experience. And so, of course, like, I'm not suggesting that you get with somebody broke. And I'll talk about hypergamy in a second. But my point is that a lot of y'all are truly aspiring to some shit as if Black women ever did it, as if it was never possible, as if it never happened. It has happened. In human history, specifically in American history, it has happened before. And it did not work for a lot of Black women. Not everybody. Some people managed to make it work, but there's plenty of people that it did not work for. And so what I'm suggesting here is that maybe y'all should consider all the other things that could possibly go wrong and why women today would say that maybe changing your whole personality to be feminine for a man is not the best idea because there are some things that women are just generally better at than men. And in your personal relationships, there's things that you are better at than men. Instead of just assuming that the man is the leader and you have to give him deference, instead of assuming that you need, you need to, you know, stroke his ego and let him lead, how about y'all just stop and do what you need to do? But anyway, so let me talk about just in general my personal, now that I've told you a little bit about like my family background, 
For me personally, I found that being feminine can get you a lot of male attention. And if that's what you're after, if you're so desperate to be married that you need to change your whole personality to get a husband, then I'm sure, you know, you can do that. Like, I, I, I truly believe it's possible. The problem is, though, the problem is, though, I experienced the same thing my mom experienced. Like, when you're feminine, that sounds great, and like you can get a lot of male attention, but that does not mean that the systems at play that keep women oppressed are changing. That's actually not the case. I found that the men who are most attracted to feminine women are typically the patriarchal men, and they typically desire that from women. So it's not like, how do I describe this? So, like, if you're a feminine woman who wears dresses and talks in a baby voice, you can attract a bunch of different types of men. But the problem is when you start attracting these guys, a lot of times you end up getting the men who desperately need that from a partner. Like if you you are a woman and you hear a man say he needs a woman to be submissive to him, that is a bad sign. That shows you that man is deeply insecure, specifically black men who say this, deeply insecure about their own masculinity. So they need for you to validate their masculinity by paying deference to them just for being male. They need you to make them feel more like a man by stroking their ego and playing dumb, playing house and pretending like you don't know shit that you don't know better than him. Literally, literally, that's what it is. They don't want you to start arguments. They don't want you to nag. They don't want you to, to quote unquote, be like their help me. What they really want you to do is be their slave. Don't ask no questions. Don't say nothing. Let them do what they want to do, even if they're doing it to you. I've seen it, I've heard it in a lot of these black women in these black churches. A lot of them play the femininity, docile, submissive game super well and they're getting their asses beat. They're getting their asses handed to them. Why? Because they believe that the man has to be the leader just for being a male. Despite the fact that a lot of these dudes are shitty people who are incredibly misogynistic. And what we're really talking about here is patriarchy because I've seen it happen in my own life men who deeply desire for me to submit to them and to trust them, but they never earn that trust. They deeply think like they should be a leader and that I should be the one following them, but like they don't have leadership qualities. And the fact that a man would even demand that his wife follow him just because he's a man shows that he's a misogynist and he truly doesn't care about your well-being. He doesn't care about your talents. He doesn't care about your intelligence. All he cares about is having someone follow him because that's how he feels most like a man. And I'm telling you, telling I'm just telling you, some of y'all gonna hear this and y'all gonna ignore what I'm saying because you want dick that bad. But I'm telling you for a fact, I've experienced this myself. If you are with a man who needs that from you, He is not a good person. He's probably going to be abusive and you are going to regret marrying that man. Life in marriage is about partnership and these people are not, they're not interested in partnership. They're interested in domination and control. I am trying to tell you this to help you whenever you adopt a patriarchal mindset wherein men are given deference as leaders and you implement that into your own life, you are welcoming in people who don't see your humanity. You're allowing for men to continue to dehumanize you in order to feel a semblance of power that they don't have in their real lives. That's why they're trying to run your house like it's a fucking autocracy. But as soon as they step outside your home and go to work, they got the white man with his foot on their neck. 
They don't have power to do shit. So they got to run your household. They got to beat your ass. They got to make you feel like shit. They have to insult your intelligence because that's how they feel when they go to work. I'm just being honest. I've seen it far too often. And instead of telling the truth, y'all rather lie about it. But how does hypergamy fit into this, right? Because I mentioned this episode is not just about femininity, but it's also about hypergamy. Simply put, what a lot of these women are trying to tell you is that you need to be a certain type of patriarchal woman with this, these, this like certain type of performance to get a quote unquote high value man. Now, what do we mean when we say a high value man? Well, it depends on who you ask. It really does. I mean, there's some content creators who are kind of with all sorts of names to describe men who just make money. I don't know why we need 50 million terms to describe men who make a lot of money, but fact of the matter is they want a man who makes six figures or more. Now, despite the fact that low six figures is not much for a lot of people in this country, like I'm going to be honest with you, low six figures don't mean shit in some places in like um, in California or New York. You know, a lot of them don't think that because a lot of them don't really have much. So they genuinely think making 100K is a lot of money when it's really not. It's more than the average American makes. But at the end of the day, like if you live in certain parts of this country where there's a lot of financial opportunity, you're going to find 100K don't carry you far. But another thing I'd also like to point out here is the reason why I can tell some of these women are aspirational middle class and not actually middle class is because you're not around people who make six figures. Otherwise, you would know people who make six figures aren't balling. Like these people are not out here bawling and acting as if they are living a life of luxury. Just because you make six figures does not mean you're rich. Like, I don't understand where we got this from. The luxury black girl lifestyle is just getting with a man who makes six figures because it would depend on the amount he makes. There's plenty of dudes out here making 200K a year or more, and they're not living a life of luxury on purpose. They're not millionaires. But y'all would rather, y'all are, are conflating men in different income brackets because you've never been in the bracket yourself. You never dated men in the bracket yourself, so you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So let's start, we're we going to start there, right? We're going to start there. I'm not trying to drag. I've just got to be honest. A lot of y'all don't know shit about dating men who make a lot of money because you've never been in circles with people who make a lot of money. You don't have friends who make a lot of money. So all you're doing is sitting on YouTube hearing people talk about the shit that you haven't lived. As someone who has dated men who make multiple six figures, I'm openly telling you right now, the average dude is not busting out his wallet for $300, $400 dinners for you. That's what millionaires do. Regular, regular, regular dudes who have to work for their money are not doing that shit most of the time. Why? Because these men are typically self-made, so they're super, super frugal. That's not to say they won't spend money on things, but the majority of the time, they're not, they're not balling like that. Even just because they could doesn't mean that they should and doesn't mean that they will. And any man who is, who is making multiple six figures and is balling like that, it's because they are working poor. Oh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about rich girl, rich black girl TikTok. You know, rich black girls, these girls who idolize black women who live in luxury, but don't understand just because you have luxury items does not mean that you live the luxury lifestyle. A lot of people can afford a, a, a Chanel bag, but will it make or break you is the point. That's the point. And a lot of people that you see flexing on social media are very, very average. They're not making the money that you think they're making. They're just buying and spending a lot of money on shit that they don't need to be spending it on. A lot of people, I'm just being honest, a lot of the new rich are barely rich and they're doing it to flex on social media. 
But a lot of y'all don't know that because you're not around these people in these circles. Y'all really think that every guy with making making at least 500K a year is only wearing Armani? No. Sometimes they wearing Steve Madden. Sometimes they wearing like the Gap. Like you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. But because you're not in these circles, you don't know. And I'm telling you for a fact, if you're as aspiring to this hypergamous lifestyle where you think you can get a man in a different income bracket, understand what that actually looks like. Because a lot of y'all, if you're middle class, you're leveling up for you is basically going to be a millionaire. So for some of you, for some of you, and if you don't know a millionaire, then hell, I don't know what to tell you, but it's going to be hard to break into those circles if you don't know anybody, anybody who actually makes the money that you're trying to make or trying to, to trying to get with, if that makes sense. I'm just telling you my own experiences, being around people in different circles in Atlanta. I've seen very clearly that people who are making what y'all trying to get with, like if you're trying to get a dude making six figures, they're not rich. A lot of these people actually have a lot of student loan debt or they have a lot of credit card debt in general. Like I dated one guy, he was, um, he made like 190 something K, 190 K or whatever. At least last time I checked with him because it's been like at least a year since we dated but what I found was that he had massive credit card debt because he was living in a major city living above his means as all of them tend to do and he had massive credit card debt he was trying to pay off and so he had to drastically downsize his living and he owns his own home and his own shit like he has his own shit his own everything his own everything he living fine he living better than a lot of people but he still has to pay off all that credit card debt so he had to intentionally decrease his means of living to pay off all those credit card, all that credit card debt from when he was living in a major city, making a lot of money, but spending a lot of money too. But they won't tell you that. They won't tell you how much they took out in student loans to get them two degrees. I'm just telling you what the real, the real shit, the real shit, because the average dude is not out here balling like y'all think. But y'all go on social media and see somebody with a Chanel bag or see whatever else. And y'all, y'all geek it. Y'all geeked. When you think about it, when you make over six figures, that is like 10% maybe of the population. And six figures ain't even all that. It just depends on how much they're making. It depends on the figure, honestly. It depends on the figure and depends on where you live because 300K in New York is different than 300K in Texas. It's different than 300K in Georgia, baby. Baby, I'm just trying to let you know. Trying to let you know from what I've seen, from what I've heard, it's a lot different. And a lot of these people are working poor. They broke as hell, paying off all them bills, but they're trying to live above their means to show people that they are able to keep up. But anyway, so when I talk about hypergamy, I really wanted to make that point very clear because a lot of y'all talking about shit that you have not lived. If you're not in these circles, you wouldn't know. You're romanticizing some shit that don't make sense. But anyway, um, so... When I think about this femininity content, a lot of times they're trying to be feminine to get the high value man that they think they deserve by wearing a skirt and being docile. And like, don't get me wrong. I think the best thing that you could do if you don't come from money is to get on a dating app and use the specific location of people that are in a good, like high um, income affluent area, which is easy to do. So you could easily set the location to a affluent area and then try to swipe there. But when it comes to being hypergamous, a lot of y'all aren't being told the truth. Majority of the time, it's not about how you look. Well, I'm going to break hearts today. It's not about how you look. Don't get me wrong. You can't look busted. You do need to look presentable. But the difference is a lot of y'all truly believe the hype. 
on social media when women in real life ain't with that shit. What do I mean by that? So y'all believe the hype that if you can act feminine and be docile, that that's what these rich men want. And basically that's what's going to get you a six figure man as if six figures is a lot of money. Like I said before, it depends. It depends on a lot of things, a lot of factors. Net worth is what you probably should be aiming for and not necessarily income ladies, but you ain't hear that from me. The reason why I say you need to be careful is because a lot of y'all think that you're going to infiltrate these spaces by just looking a certain way. No, no, baby. You need to have something in common with them. A lot of y'all, the only way you're getting access to a man who even makes six figures, even six figures, even 100K, is if you get on your dating app. That lets me know you're, you might be batting out of your field. If you are not interacting with these men on a regular basis, you are out of your depth. If you don't have friends who make this money, if you're not even making this money, you might be out of your depth. Why? Because we're talking about hypergamy. A lot of y'all get this shit confused. Hypergamy is about being in a different socioeconomic class. It's not about income necessarily all the time. Class is not just about income. It's about legacy and net worth. So if we're being honest, let's say you're the middle-class black woman. You're trying to be hypergamous because you want to get with a guy in a different socioeconomic status because that's what hypergamy is, not just income. Y'all using the word wrong. Understand that means for a lot of you, you are going to be out of your depth. Quite literally, when you talk about people in a different socioeconomic class, it's not just about the money. It's about the lifestyle. So for example, do y'all know a lot of men are filtering out women based on not education, but lifestyle? Oh, yes. Do you know what a sommelier is? Do you? Have you taken wine classes? Have you traveled? How many countries have you traveled to? Where have you been? Are you just going to Mexico? For vacation? Are you going to the Italian tourist sites? Or are you going to North France or South France? Are you going to Cape Town? Like, these are questions I have. Or are y'all going to, you know, some random ass things? Do y'all know a lot of these dudes who actually make a lot of money study abroad when they're in college? So a lot of them go to South America to find themselves or whatever the fuck? It happens a lot, actually. So to me, when I just think about all the things that I know about the men that I've encountered of experience, I want y'all to understand they are filtering women based on lifestyle. What's your lifestyle like? Do you work out consistently? Where do you work out? Do you go to church? What kind of church you go to? Because there's a certain type of church. Ooh, this going to hurt feelings. There's a certain type of church that people go to that have money. So if you go into your local fried chicken Baptist church, you may not find your man there. Now, the Episcopalians... Some, the Methodists, the Mormons, actually, believe it or not, have a lot of dough. They got money. They got they got bands, y'all. So, I mean, if you're a religious chick, I would also consider where you going to church, baby. If you go into your local um, uh, Mega Million church with 50,000 members or whatever, then I don't know. It's a mixed bag. But from what I know, some of the men who are actually religious and conservative, they, they're going to a specific type of church. They're not going to your fried chicken circuit. They're not going to the ones, you know down the street with 20 members necessarily. They're going to the ones that's very chill, not Pentecostal, and they got a lot of money and donations that they raise. They do a lot of community service work. It's a whole thing. So it's a lifestyle indicator, y'all. For real. A lot of these guys are not trying to be... How to describe this? The best way to describe it is very simple. When we're talking about hypergamy, understand you're, you're, you're emphasizing hypergamy in a time where most people cannot achieve that. Why? Because there's less movement across socioeconomic lines in general. 
Meaning that like there's a lot less people jumping to a different socioeconomic class. The only way you're jumping is if you're going behind, is if you're falling out of the middle class or you're falling out of the upper middle class. Typically, that's not happening. Typically, most people are in the same class that they were born into, and that's where they stay. Right? So the best most of y'all can do is get a man that makes a little bit more money than you. That's the most, that's the best most of y'all gonna be able to do. But generally speaking, depending on the life choices that you made or other things, you might be able to get into a different socioeconomic status, but that requires a lot of effort and planning on your part. And that also means you have to literally be in these circles. You, you can't just be like, I'm going to get a man who's a millionaire, but not actually know any millionaires. Like, what do you think millionaires do every day? You think they own, you think, you think they own YouTube live streams? Talking about how to be a feminine or masculine man? Or feminine women are a masculine man. You think that's what that's you think that's what millionaires doing? I'm just being honest. I just gotta be honest. That's why this hypergamy shit don't make no fucking sense. It don't make sense. You're obsessing over something that's a fantasy for most people. The reality is much different because we have the data on it. A lot of these men, let me be clear, they're getting with people who make as much as them or are in the same lifestyle as them, in the same socioeconomic bracket. Why? It's not because men care about your money. They don't care about that. They care about your lifestyle. They care about what you have in common. For example, um, one thing that a lot of people like to do is they like to have expensive ass hobbies that most people could never afford to do because they don't have the time or the money. So some of y'all, it's going to be a rude awakening when you realize some of this stuff, you got to have disposable income to do. I mean, traveling, you can travel, but where are you traveling to? What places have you stayed? Are you just hitting the tourist sites? Where are you actually going? Do you know some of the best places for people with money to actually go travel? I'm just being honest. If you're going to Miami and that's a fun time for you, then maybe you are not familiar. The Hamptons is like very basic. That's basic. And yo, some of y'all never been to the Hamptons. But like, honestly, that's the basic place where people go. There's places around this country that you would never know. Do y'all know a popular site for a lot of people who actually have money or maybe like upper middle class is actually the master's tournament. There's hella people with like millions that go there. A lot of y'all don't even know that golf is a big one. Golf is huge. Golf is huge. Uh, Sailing is huge. And the thing is with golf is that that's actually one of the best places to go because if you can get tickets to the master's tournament and go, you'll rub shoulders with a lot of different people, right? You can't have cameras. So basically it's very private. That's why the elite love going there. It's very, very private, very elite. But you can't just show up at the Masters Tournament. You actually have to have an invitation to go to some of the more private clubs there. Um, so, you know, I'm just be, I'm just telling y'all, putting y'all on game. Like, the reason you have to go to places where it's very difficult to get any sort of insider information. And the Masters Tournament is the best place because they don't have cameras. No one's allowed to take pictures there but the press. And it's of the golfers golfing. So there's a lot of secrecy and a lot of, like, stuff going on over there. I used to work there, so neither here nor there. Anyway, so when we talk about hypergamy, right, this obsession with needing to prove yourself, this obsession with like, oh, I need to live a luxury lifestyle is absurd. It's absurd. It is absurd. A good man does not have to make six figures. If you want someone to be good to you and to be a quote unquote provider, I guess you could find that. But to be honest, most of these dudes don't make as much money as you think. And to be honest, most black women don't even make that much. So like, really, what are we talking about here? The average black woman don't even make that much. So a lot of y'all are like social climbers, but you're not even doing it right. And like I said before, you know, I was trying to say, make this point, but it got missed. Um, I kind of for, completely forgot to kind of wrap this up. But 
a lot of y'all are buying into the hype of femininity and hypergamy. When like y'all really believe that these white girls out here doing all this shit, they're not. White women are not celebrities. Y'all looking at Kylie Jenner and like these white girls on social media and thinking they're rich. They're not. These girls are, some of them are escorts, honestly. The white women who are actually paired with these dudes making at least six or seven figures, they are literally educated themselves and go to work every day. These are your doctors and your lawyers. These are your average women. They're not beautiful. They're just successful. And the successful women get with the successful men and they have successful babies. That is what's happening in America right now. Y'all not Candace Owens. You're not. You're not. Okay. (laughs) And like, I, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but this is the reality. Like in a time of severe, um, really bad income inequality, like during the pandemic, a lot of y'all are still obsessing over femininity and hypergamy content, but like, that's not the reality of most people. And that's for a reason. There's systemic barriers that make it difficult to do that. And so to me, I would hope that we had all come to a conclusion by now that your biggest concern should be taking care of yourself, going to therapy and finding someone who cares about you. And that is not the equivalent of being broke. You don't have to be broke to do that. But I think this obsession with a lifestyle that you don't lead and don't know anyone who leads is problematic at best. It's classist at best. Y'all really think that what I think is a lot of this is about, and I'll talk about this in a second, but the whole idea of hierarchies is something that is deeply concerning to me in general. And I've noticed this type of rhetoric in these uh, circles, right? That's why I think that Chrissy and content like hers and then content like Kevin Samuels are actually not that far from each other. They're basically the male and female versions of each other. When you think about it, they're obsessed with hierarchies. That's why they're telling you to level up. That's why you're, they're telling you to, to compete with other races of women. This is literally patriarchy. You got to compete for resources with other races of people because the system basically has y'all fighting over crumbs. You know what I'm saying? And so what ends up happening is black people are obsessed the most with these hierarchies, this idea of, you know, white people being at the top and we need to compete with them on the dating market and whatever else. Y'all obsessed with that shit because a lot of black people lose. You're obsessed with being the losers in a system that was intended for you to lose in the first place. So instead of just saying that that's where the obsession is coming from, y'all making it seem like everybody kind of compete and everybody has to have those values. When most people don't. And even if you did, the odds are not in your favor. You feel me? And this is just so fascinating to me because it's like, I see, I have actually heard Kevin Samuels talk a lot to black men, degrading them and shaming them for being broke, for making 30K a year, for being ugly, for being undesirable. He'll give them advice like you need to work 60, 70 hours a week in order to get ahead. If you're 30 years old, making 30K a year, you're behind and all this extra shit. And granted, he's giving terrible advice. It lacks any sort of reality, right? Because he's selling them a vision. He's selling them like a dream. That's why he calls them all movers and shakers just because they follow him. A lot of the men who follow him, he calls them movers and shakers and all this other kind of stuff to make them feel better about themselves. When in reality, they're just his customers. Like he knows what he's saying. Most men can never live up to. Why? Because most men are not in the position in this society to even compete in the first place. But that won't stop them from feeling like they're deserving of a feminine woman, despite the fact they're not a high value man. You notice how, despite the fact that that is part of Kevin Samuel's message, the men never internalize that part of the message. The only thing they internalize is shaming women for being um, broke, for wanting men, you know, for having standards. The only thing they internalize is shitting on black women. They don't internalize the other part of Kevin Samuel's message, 
which is basically very patriarchal. Why? Because it's based on misogyny. These men know. They know it's based on misogyny. It's based on being uh, resentful of women. That's it. That's all. And that's why I say, like, even Chrissy's content or, and other content like hers is very similar. Because y'all have this rank order of women in which women who are, you know, hypergamous and they're feminine, that you're on the right team. And right, all those other bitches, those feminist bitches, they don't understand. They're just broken, angry. They want Black women to suffer. And it's like, are y'all serious? Y'all are clowns that lack any sort of critical thinking. You really, truly believe we're saying this shit because we want y'all to be broke. We're saying it because you're being manipulated from financial gain. We can look at the numbers and notice how nobody ever brings up the stats because they know it would hurt your feelings. That's why they got to sell you a dream and make you feel like you're the exception because nobody wants to admit that they're the broke women they're complaining about. Nobody wants to admit that the best they're going to get in this society for most of y'all is a basic dude making basic money who just treats you nice. Apparently that's the bad thing today. But like, don't, you didn't hear it from me. You didn't hear it from me, right? I'm not trying to shame. I'm just being honest about my opinion. It's strange. This obsession with hierarchies and competing and winning, like, it's so strange. Whatever happened to being a regular, ordinary person, living your life, falling in love, having a family? Why, why do y'all have to make shit so extreme? Really, if we're trying to combat Black women having low standards, if we're trying to combat Black women settling for less, why would the pendulum swing so far in the other direction? To me, what it sounds like is y'all are avoiding doing the real work it would take to get the type of man you actually want. So you come up with unrealistic expectations that you know you would never be able to realistically achieve. Most of you, most of you are coming up with random ass expectations, listening to content that you can't relate to. Why? Because, you know, deep down, that's not really where you're going to land. You, you, you can you can focus on the fantasy to avoid doing the real work. You know what I'm saying? You got to focus on luxury black female TikTok and black women living a life that you can never live and romanticizing that because that's what you want to live. You're ascribing onto them a certain sort of personality and, and nobility that they don't deserve. Like literally, they're just rich. That's all. That's why the fascination with Harvey, with uh, Lori Harvey is strange. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't feel like hating on Lori Harvey because she didn't do anything to me. But like y'all are obsessed with her just because she's a pretty rich black girl. As if she would ever be anything but a pretty rich black girl. That's it. That's all. She's just pretty and rich. Why are we obsessed over her? Why are we? We're, we're, we're just doing too much. We're doing too much. And it's because y'all want to be social climbers, but you don't understand what would actually have to go into that. There's a reason why these systemic barriers exist. There's a reason. It's meant to be exclusionary. And so long as black women have a hard time admitting that these white supremacist standards of beauty exist to be exclusionary to black women... The, the worst y'all gonna look because everybody knows the truth. Everybody knows when men have these racial preferences, there's a reason why they're excluding black women. And it's not because black women are quote unquote masculine. It's because they've always seen black women that way. They've always regarded black women with disrespect and dehumanization. And instead of just saying that's what's happening, you'd rather make it about you because you feel helpless and you feel out of control. You, you want to feel like there's something you can do to change your situation. But as someone who's experienced it, because a lot of y'all haven't been in positions of real power and influence, but trust me, I have. But what I will say is this. It does not matter how feminine you try to be. If you work with a bunch of women in a corporate office, you don't get the right to speak on this subject. But if you are in STEM, working with men all the time, 
only men, you will find out very quickly that you are a Negro. Okay? You are a Negro and you are a woman. And that's how they see you. It doesn't matter how many dresses you wear. Doesn't matter how feminine and if you are how, talking in a baby voice. It doesn't matter. They're going to insult your intelligence. They're going to insult your appearance. They're going to basically invalidate who you are and question your capabilities just because you're a black woman. And that's the systemic nature of all of this. When you start actually making real money and start doing real shit with your life, you'll start to realize very quickly those systemic barriers do exist. And it has nothing to do with you as a person, but everything to do with the racism and the sexism that black women experience to keep them in bad positions, to keep them out of positions of power, out of real influence. And that is my biggest problem with hypergamy content and femininity content. Despite everything I've talked about in this episode, the fact remains a lot of you are placated and you're content with trying to get close to somebody with power. That's the whole goal, right? You're not trying to be feminine to get with the average buster down the street making decent money. You're trying to get with the high value man because you think that he has power in the system. Instead of trying to get power for yourself, instead of competing for that power for yourself, a lot of you are just trying to get a man with power. You're trying to get power by proxy. That is patriarchal. That is literally the point of patriarchy. To make it seem that women are have no agency, they have no power of their own. And the closest thing you can do is aim for soft power over men who have real influence. That is the whole point. And I can tell a lot of y'all have never been in positions to actually experience that because if you've been in leadership and you've been in situations where you're in charge of millions of dollars and you're in these, these boardrooms and you're in these conversations, you will see exactly what they think of black women and what they think of black people. Once you're the one in these in these situations and you're the only black person for miles you will understand exactly what i mean when i say that it was meant to be exclusionary ain't no amount of femininity hypergamy that can make that can basically like make you not what they think you are simple it's very simple it's very simple and i wish that we would have that conversation more what it would mean for black women to actually get power to change their material reality what that would actually require from y'all and it's not going to be hypergamy. It's not going to be femininity. It's not going to be that. The women that you hate are the women that are challenging authority and creating spaces for women to do the work that has to be done. They're the ones lobbying. They're the ones making sure that Black women actually get a space or a seat at the table or at least the resources to build their own table. I got to be honest. I just have to be honest. So anyway... That being said, thank you for listening to this episode. Um, I know that I said some things that might hurt people's feelings. And my intention is to never shame or degrade Black women for experiencing what they're experiencing. Because it's not your fault. It's not your fault that you feel like less of a woman than a white woman. It's not your fault that you're trying to compete with white women with this white supremacist standard of beauty. And oh, by the way, before I end this episode, I want to be clear about something. The mere fact that Black women out here think that their natural hair is not feminine that they need to change their hair, they need to straighten their hair, they need to permit, they need to dye it in order to appeal to men is ridiculous. Like y'all are literally saying to women today, and this is part of the, the oppression of the natural hair community, that if you're natural, but you don't have long hair, then it's not the same. You're not as feminine. Like really? You got black women out here feeling not feminine for having natural hair, but because they don't do the braid out right, because it doesn't do the twist out right, because it's short, because it's nappy, that it's not really feminine. Right. There's a reason why the only dark skinned women that y'all will promote, the only feminine black women that you will promote look a very specific way. There's a reason. 
There's a reason why y'all are embarrassed by fat black women. There's a reason why you're embarrassed by black women with kinky 4C hair. They don't look a certain way. They don't do the twist out and the braid out right. There's a reason why y'all don't want to promote black women with short little afros. There's a reason. There's a reason why y'all make fun of black women who are bald who have 4C hair. There's a reason why y'all are embarrassed or ashamed of them. And y'all need to be honest about it. There is a reason for it. Because your beauty ideals are rooted in white supremacy and they're meant to be exclusionary. They're meant to be exclusionary. They're meant to make black women feel like shit about themselves. And I'm not blaming you for your insecurities because I understand it. What I'm saying is we need to be more critical. We need to actually think about why this is. And if you want to, you know, grow your hair out long, right? If you want to perm your hair, I don't care. If you want to wear dresses, if you want to wear pants, I don't care about that either. But I care about honesty. I care about us being honest. And I don't make money from y'all, right? I'm not here to charge you for shit. I'm not here to, to sell you a dream or a lifestyle so I can be the one that's honest. I can just tell you the truth. And the truth is a lot of these people are feeding into your insecurities about your womanhood and who you really are because they want to sell you something. They want to sell you a dream. They want to sell you a fantasy and you keep coming back for more. Why? Because you don't really feel like black women are inherently feminine. Not really. You feel like you have to earn the love that you want. You feel like black women have something to prove to the world. So instead of just acknowledging that, you'd rather lie about it and make everybody else seem crazy. When you're the crazy ones, you have lost it. Some of you have lost it. You're off the deep end, bullying and harassing people who don't fit your definition of femininity. Y'all have lost it, making black women feel stupid or shameful about this, this society being misogynistic to them. Well, that's your problem, not mine. I'm pretty. You ugly. Really? Really? I don't have problems with dating. That's just your, that's just you. Maybe you're just ugly. Like y'all are ridiculous. Y'all will openly deny misogynoir just so you can feel like the special bitch in the corner. Just so you can get a, a, a cookie. Like really, it's getting that bad out here. The femininity chicks, I see y'all a mile away. A mile away because y'all all talk and act the same. You talk and act the same. As soon as a black woman talks about her racist experiences with dating, you just need to date out. As if dating non-black men is going to fix racism. As of the, Y'all, it's getting absurd out here. It, you know what I'm saying? And then, like I said, I'm not trying to shame y'all. I'm just trying to, just being honest. It's getting weird out here. And somebody who's not making money off you is going to tell you the truth. And I guess it's going to be me. It's, it's getting weird. So anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, if you want to hear more about this subject, let me know. I'm probably not going to make another episode about this for a while just because I've said everything that needs to be said about this topic. But, you know, who knows? Maybe, you know, life life can change. You know, things can happen. So if you love this episode and you love content like this, please be sure to, like, subscribe on different platforms and share. Um, of course, you can rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That helps me, too. I want to say thank you to those of you who did rate and review the podcast because now we have six reviews. Ah, well, six ratings, which is great. And hopefully we can acquire more with time. So if you like this episode, please do that. It helps. It, that's like the best way to support the podcast. So anyway, thanks for listening. And I will see you guys next time.